episode four of Crimes of the Essence. I'm Chloe. And I'm Lauren. And this week we're going to be talking about killer couples as our theme. Um, if you haven't listened to the other episodes before, go back and listen to those. Um, yeah. We've also got an Instagram at Crimes of the Essence, so go and have a look at that if you're interested yeah. in some more details about cases and just some generally interesting content. Yeah, lovely content on there. We're really very, very consistent. It's aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, it is. I like it. Right, we've got a massive <laughs> disclaimer for this one. Like a huge disclaimer. Um, that it's going to be graphic, realistically. Yeah. You agree? Yeah. Yeah, very. Well, um, I mean, we're talking about serial killer couples, so there is a lot of quite graphic details. I couldn't skate around the details for this one, I found. Um, yeah, so if you're under 18 and don't have parental consent, don't watch or listen, even, for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no. Basically, 18 or under, don't listen. Um, yeah, and be aware anything- that there is going to be some graphic details. Yeah, and if you think you're going to be quite, you know, upset by the details, then just bear that in mind. Also, yeah, does mine does involve underage, like children? Same. Yeah. Uh, so you know, that's another one that's quite sensitive. So just yeah, just be aware of the tags and the um the content before you listen. And if you start to feel uncomfortable, just turn it off. Stop out. It's fine. Again, we won't be offended. Not too much. <laughs> so my couple are the Ken and Barbie killers, or Paul Bernardo and Carla Hamolka, I think is her last name. I didn't check. <laughs> my pronunciation is last episode. Pardon? I said my pronunciation's last episode. I've made it very clear. Yeah. We're not going to look these things up. No, we just we don't. It's fine. <laughs> So um, they were known as the Ken and Barbie killers for pretty obvious reasons. They were pretty stereotypically attractive, um, which is which happens a lot, I feel like. Yeah. You've got to have some sort of thing to draw people in. But they were like the classic sort of popular couple when they were younger. So there's a lot of controversy around um, Carla's involvement. And there's more information on Paul's background. So I'm going to go into his background. Then I'll go into Carla a, a little bit when she joins him. And then we'll go, we'll work from there <laughs> mentally. <laughs> so Paul had a rough background. Apparently he was a really cute kid. He was really polite. He got on with everyone. But um, when Paul was nine, his father was charged with child molestation of a girl. Um, and also... Uh, assaulted his own daughter um multiple times so paul's obviously paul's sister um after he was charged with this paul's mum obviously did not handle this too well and actually ended up withdrawing from the family and living in the basement (laughs) 
Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Sounds like it comes straight out of a horror film. Yeah. So she was she was in the basement. Um, they it was not the, the most stable household, obviously. And when Paul was sixteen, his mum told him that he was a product of an extramarital affair. So this guy wasn't actually his dad. Okay. Um, and it really really affected him. He was after this he was started being verbally abusive to his own mum. Um, so I think the mix of having such a horrific male role model and some real anger about his mother's infidelity seemed to sort of set him on the tracks of these abusive behaviours towards women later on. Yeah. So he was really charming, apparently. He worked for Amway and apparently the sales culture had a deep effect on him. He bought a load of books and tapes of famous motivational get-rich-and-famous experts and Paul and his friends started using their techniques on women when they met that they met in bars when they were at university. Apparently, by the time he got there, he developed some pretty dark sexual fantasies and physically abused the women he dated. So he was he was straight in from um, the get go. Yeah. From the get go, he was yeah he was going for it. Um, <clears throat> in 1987, he met Carla, who was also apparently a normal child <laughs> to everyone else anyway um they were interested in each other immediately and unlike other girls he knew she started encouraging his sadism especially sexually so she encouraged his behavior that led to him being known later on in life as a scarborough rapist um which i'm going to cover briefly now just it's a moment so this might be a bit you might want to skip if it's if it gets too much for people it's a lot um so for a while, Paul, I think it was about five years, Paul committed multiple sexual assaults in and around Scarborough. Um, he attacked most of his victims after stalking them as they got off buses late in the evening. The first was on May 4th, 1987. Um, and in total, including, including abandoned attempts and physical attacks, I think there was between 16 and 19 incidents. And those were the ones that were attached to him, you know. Yeah. So during these attacks, um, they were getting increasingly violent and people were linking them together. You know, like the police did think they were, um, it was like a serial attacker. Two people yeah. called the police to tell them that the person they were looking for was Paul Bernardo. One of those people was a bank employee and the other was Tina Smyrnis. Again, I don't know if that's her name. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so she was the wife of the one of the smyrnas brothers who were all paul's really close friends oh, yeah. so she i would say if i was a someone in the police force i would think she was a credible um yeah, yeah, sort. Yeah. now apparently her phrasing was awkward and stilted so they weren't sure if they should take her seriously um right. actually they did interview paul I'm just turning my sound off on my phone so it doesn't start bleeping. Um, <laughs> and they decided that he seemed far more credible than Smyrnis, who, with her, quote, awkward, strange way of speaking, might just be trying to collect the reward. So he was released the next day. Oh, brilliant. Now, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if it was that time, but he did. they did take his DNA in 1990. So bear that in mind, that they, they took his DNA and he'd he'd sorted almost twenty people at this point, and he'd, no one had linked it to him. Right now, 
this sort of leads into Tammy, who was Carla's sister. So Paul spent a lot of time with their family and apparently openly flirted with Tammy. Yeah. Was I'm pretty sure she was 14 or 15. Um, he was obsessed with her. He was peering into her windows, entering her room when she slept. Um, it got to a point where Carla helped Paul break the windows in her sister's room, allowing him access. Oh, I don't understand. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, in July, Paul took Tammy across the border to get beer for a party. Bernardo later told his fiancée that they got drunk and began making out. So he was going for it with Carla's younger sister. Yeah. Um, Carla encouraged his behaviour and she actually she was with him during the the period where he was like the Scarborough rapist and she encouraged that behaviour as well. Um, right. She was, yeah, she was actively sort of um, encouraging him throughout all of this. So Carla laced spaghetti sauce with crushed Valium she stole from her employer at an animal clinic. Like, gave it to Tammy, obviously, and then um, Paul assaulted her while Carla watched. <sighs> Six months before their 1991 wedding, Carla stole an anaesthetic from the clinic. They gave it to Tammy in eggnog and rum. Carla apparently wanted to give Tammy's virginity to Paul for Christmas because Paul was disappointed he was not Carla's first sexual partner. Oh, my God. So they videotaped themselves assaulting her. And then during this, Tammy started to vomit. They tried to revive her and they called 911 after hiding evidence, dressing Tammy and moving her to her room. Didn't regain consciousness and was pronounced dead at the hospital. Now, despite Carla and Paul vacuuming and washing laundry in the middle of the night and a chemical burn on Tammy's face, the coroner and Carla's family accepted their version of events. That she oh on, wow. no, that she choked on vomit after consuming alcohol. How do you <coughs> if she's evidence that she's got a chemical burn on her face? Yeah. And the fact that like they were clear I mean they called nine one one, so they were present and you don't question it at all. I just don't understand how that could ever no. happen. Like surely you'd go, that doesn't make any sense. But, yeah, so after this, you know, just to confirm them being complete, like, they filmed Carla wearing Tammy's clothes and pretending to be her. Mm. So after this, and it had been um, two years before this, I think, Carla befriended a girl um, when she was working at a pet shop. And in 1991, so this was, I think this was after Tammy, Carla invited the girl for a girl's night out, plied her with alcohol, um, and then called Bernardo to tell him that his next wedding gift was ready. They both videotaped themselves assaulting her, and when the girl woke up the next day, she didn't realise what had happened, thinking that every all of her sort of symptoms were because she'd drunk alcohol for the first time and been sick. Um, that She was assaulted again in August, um, she stopped breathing after she was drugged and assaulted. Carla called 911 for help and then called back a few minutes later stating that everything was all right. The ambulance didn't go and check on anything. It was recalled immediately. Um, but the girl did actually survive. She, I, think she was, I think she was like 15. Oh, God. She's been, she's, her 
she's anonymous, so she's just called yeah. like she's labeled as a Jane Doe. But yeah. The next victim was a 14-year-old called Leslie. She'd been attend this I think is tragic. She'd been attending a friend's wake, missed her curfew, and was locked out of the house. Um they kidnapped her. She was taped being assaulted while they listened to Bob Marley and David Bowie. At one point, Leslie told Paul that her blindfold was slipping, signalling the possibility that she could identify her attackers if she lived. Um, according to Paul, Carla fed her a lethal dose of drugs and Carla claimed that Paul strangled her and then disposed of her body. So we're getting a lot of inconsistencies in terms yeah. of you know, the, actual, the actual stuff. Um, in 1992, later in the year, they picked up a 15-year-old student, Kristen French. Um, the police really jumped on this one straight away because her parents were so on it. I think it was like 15 minutes after she was supposed to be home, they called the police. Okay. Um, within 24 hours, the regional police had assembled a team, searched her route and found several witnesses that saw the abduction. They again filmed the assaults over the weekend, and this time they didn't blindfold her. So people say it's significant because they think, whereas the first, like with Leslie, they might have actually been considering letting her go yeah. until her blindfold yeah. was slipping. This one, they didn't even bother with the blindfold, so they think they were going yeah. to get go. Carla said Paul strangled her for seven minutes, and Paul said that she beat her with a rubber mallet. <laughs> So again, no, very, very inconsistent. So in 1993, Paul beats Carla with a flashlight. It's a lot as well. There's a photo of her. She's literally purple. Um, and she leaves him and files charges. He's arrested the next month and they start connecting the dots. Um, DNA that he'd previously given in, what was it, 1990? Oh, yeah. They testing now they haven't tested the, the dna before this amazing um the officers in charge violated paul's rights by not allowing him to call a lawyer which made a load of the investigation inadmissible in court but when he does get a lawyer <laughs> the lawyer gains entrance to paul's home after paul tells him where the videotapes are takes the videotapes of all of the assaults and keeps them in his possession for 16 months. No! Yeah. So that, like, I I just feel like you've got to be a complete psycho, haven't you? If you, if you have yeah. those tapes and you keep them for over a year. I just don't understand how you can live with yourself. Like, oh. No. As a lawyer, trying to get justice as well. Mm-hmm. It, it's ridiculous, but yeah. So obviously, they have no like knowledge of these tapes. They don't. They don't have any of them at all, like on at all. And they offer Carla a plea deal against Paul, um, to basically just testify against him. And she is really, really focusing all the attention on him. It's making her look like a sort of passive witness. Yeah. Um. And she essentially takes a 12-year jail sentence, um, pleading guilty to two counts of manslaughter. Um, Murray, who is Paul's lawyer, the one that is hiding those creepy tapes, uh, ends up quitting the following year, and he passes the videotapes to the new lawyer, who obviously turns them into the police. 
Yeah. So at this point, Carla's received her plea deal. She's been jailed for 12 years. And then they realise after reviewing the tapes that she wasn't just an active participant. She was obviously engaging and um, enjoying it. Joy was the word they used in one of the descriptions in terms of her participation. So, yeah, she got 12 years when she was pretty much as actively involved in it as he was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in 1995, Paul was found guilty of all counts against him, including two counts of first degree murder. He sentenced to life in prison without possibility of parole for 25 years. After this, they started an inquiry into the police investigation, finding that, uh, I mean, obviously many mistakes were made um, and that a lot of Paul's crimes could have been prevented if his DNA samples were processed more quickly. Um, they literally had them, I think they had them sitting for over two years. Yeah. Like, oh. And it's just the fact that, like, they, they interviewed him, you know, when he was raping people. Yeah. And they didn't think anything of it just because someone who'd called in um, sounded a bit uncomfortable, which of course you'd sound uncomfortable if you were like, in your, your husband's best friend. Yeah. Um, so I thought this was interesting. Uh, Murray, the, the completely useless lawyer, yeah. was charged with obstruction of justice and possession of child pornography for failing to turn over tapes. He was acquitted, oh, and he only faced disciplinary action. For God's sake! <laughs> Which is ridiculous, I think. The <sighs> joke. I'm pretty sure he was able to continue um, that, working. That's like a power thing, isn't it? That is. That's yeah. because of his status. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Oh, uh, you. Yeah, it just blows my mind. Like, um. He did, I read, I was reading earlier, he did like an interview about how hard his life has been since this whole situation, because classic, um, and that he didn't feel that he had a responsibility to hand the tapes in. Um, Would you not have... (sighs) Yeah, he was, he, he thought, I couldn't quite work out his logic, but he thought the tapes actually um, made, well, the tapes obviously did make Carla look a lot worse, but he thought it would be it would show that um, she was more than just like an active participant and was yeah. like almost yeah. joyful in the way she was reacting to things, maybe even more so than Paul. And the tapes made him think that she was the one that killed the victims, not Paul. Right. Apparently, Paul also said this. Said that he didn't. He did everything that they'd accused him of, but he didn't kill these these women. Um, but I mean, I don't know how far you can trust someone who is like a serial offender. No. Um, but you know, so if he had some sort of reason he wanted, but I think it's ridiculous that he had these tapes. He also said that they really bothered him. He's thought about it every day since because he had a child, like a daughter of the same age as some of the girls that were being assaulted. And that didn't make him think, I need to hand these over to the police. It's ridiculous. (sighs) Even if he didn't have a child, like... Yeah. Well, he said it was like, it gave him nightmares, they were so horrific, and the fact that Carla looked so joyful or something when 
in the tapes um it like gave him nightmares but in what world does that then lead you to keep them to yourself for a year and a half oh i just don't understand but yeah so he didn't get charged unbelievable um yeah, in 2006, Paul apparently admitted to assaulting at least 10 other women in attacks that weren't currently linked to him. And in 2005, Carla was released from prison after serving 12 years. She remarried, has children, and she's even volunteered and worked at the school where her children attend. Oh, you are kidding. Hmm. Honestly, that's really <laughs> as far as I'm going to go into it, but it's it's Carla that sets me on edge more than Paul unsettling like yeah. I mean the first the first real victim was her sister I don't think you can come back from that and then say you were just like a you know like a you just watched and you weren't involved like I, I don't think you can really come back from it I don't no, I just not stronger like it, is it like no I just don't I just can't get over the fact that she's got children I know. Apparently, I'm not sure if she even lives with them now, but um, yeah, she she tried. She petitioned to change her name, and they refused it. She's got. She had to for quite a long time. Obviously, like check in with police and show where she was living and stuff. And I think she got some real flack when she first left. Obviously, left prison. Yeah. But yeah, she's got children. I think she's got three children. Um, got a husband who. I mean, knows what happened because. Yeah, but um, how did he? How do you go? Yeah, that's the one for me. Literally, I. It's it's. They must have had some serious conversations. Yeah. It's how very uncomfortable. Like, trust someone. Do you, know what I mean? you yeah. could, could you? Like really. Children. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, I just think like this school as well must have done a background check on her. Yeah. Like, because you have to, don't you? Yeah, you have to when you're working with kids. Yeah. How the how is she how is she getting she's getting to live like a normal life? Yeah. And like she's uh, after everything that she's done. Yeah, I mean, it sounds to me that like so she was obviously really dependent on him. Yeah. And it made it easier with the assault that he sort of when he like beat her with that flashlight yeah i think it might be easier for it to seem like she was sort of held against her will a little bit yeah or you know completely reliant on this man but yeah. um i mean they videotaped each other she knew what she was doing yeah i i don't know i just think it's it's mad and it is i mean 12 years is not long no it's nothing um Oh, no, it just blows my mind. And I think Paul wanted her to go down as long as he did. I mean, he said, apparently said to his lawyer that, like, he knows he'll never get out of prison, but he wanted her to be to be charged as well with because because he she was so involved and apparently actually did commit the murders. Um, but no, 12 years and now she's just living her best life. Oh. So he's still chilling. Um, I don't think he's the most popular inmate. No, I can imagine. Yeah, which is not a surprise. He told someone in an interview that he cries all the time, which is like good to know. 
a lot of sympathy and like feeling sorry for himself I think yeah yeah there there's a lot of I mean there's a lot of details and stuff on those cases that can be researched but um they're really really explicit and I think that was enough (laughs) yeah um but yeah so he was I thought it was interesting as well that like it progressed from he almost had like separate eras where you know the Scarborough rapist sort of period yeah where he didn't they did increase in sort of uh, violence as he went along, but generally um, they followed the same sort of pattern and it was over a number of years. And then suddenly it goes into um, murders, which is like quite a jump, I feel. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, so that's, that's Paul and Carla. Wow. It's just a lot, isn't it? I think like... Yeah. Especially because they were so young. I think with the in the period when he was just assaulting women, it was they were aged between fourteen and twenty one. Yeah. Um fifteen and twenty one. And then obviously the girls that he killed were very young, like fourteen and fifteen pretty much. Yeah. That's a lot of very young victims. And I think they they say sort of like th- three plus victims because they think he could be connected to some others that he, they haven't actually been able to connect him to, like, officially. Um, but that's a lot of victims and, like, victims. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. But yeah, that's, that's that. I feel like this, this is a very dark episode. <laughs> it is, yeah, because mine, mine's going to go down the same kind of path. Yeah. It is. Oh, I think it's interesting, and it like when I've done like talks about Mark, yeah, we'll be able to talk about it. But like the influence that women have, I think. Oh my god, yeah, yeah, it is interesting. I think there's there's a real sort of like power complex between couples. Definitely, definitely. But yeah, who are you doing? I'm doing Myra Hindley and Ian Brady, the Moors murderers. Yeah. So not getting any kind of light-hearted relief for going straight in um, fine. so i'll talk a little bit about their backgrounds yeah. and then how they met and what obviously happened yeah so Myron hindley was born in 1942 in manchester mm-hmm. and she grew up very close to her grandmother um her childhood was pretty basic to be honest yeah well, I say the only. It's quite a like traumatic event. Yeah. When she was fifteen, one of her close friends drowned. Oh. Um, and it was then that she decided she would convert to Catholicism. Okay. So basically, that is the only kind of real event that happened. Although it's a horrible event. It's not. There's not like loads of little things no. that built up or anything like that her upbringing was pretty standard yeah. um so brady is the opposite to that entire oh god i could do an entire episode just on his childhood yeah <laughs> um so he really doesn't disappoint when it comes to the stereotypical serial killer process. classics so he didn't know his father no uh, he was his mum left him alone for long periods of time when he was literally a baby because she couldn't afford a babysitter and she had to work full time. Mm. 
she then gave him up for unofficial adoption when he was just four months old. So he was very, very young, still a baby. But she still visited him up until the age of 12. Yeah. However, mm. what, which I found really weird, all that time over those 12 years that she was visiting him, he didn't know she was his mum. Oh. Mm. So he just thought there's just this lady that comes to visit him, but he didn't know she was his mum. So that's... Mm. What was she getting out of that? Yeah, no, I don't get that. I don't, I don't see... Because usually, I mean, if you're not going to... I assume it's to make him more at ease, like, if, yeah, wherever but... he was at the time. But you wouldn't usually be allowed visit like visitation rights if you weren't... Yeah. That's very odd. Really, really weird. I don't, I don't know why she decided that that was the way she was going to go. Yeah. Um... But he was described by other people as a lonely and difficult child, mm. which I find that these descriptions of when they're kids like, really like underestimate yeah. how I imagine they probably were. Yeah. Just a bit difficult, you know. He's a little bit, little bit awkward sometimes. Yeah. Um. But he was prone to temper tantrums and he was very slow at integrating with peers and socialising and things like that. Yeah. They were very, like, ticking all the boxes for the profile. Really. Yeah, it's a classic, isn't it? Like, classic stereotypes. Yeah. Um, he had a really early... This is this is the same as Jim Jones in the other episode. Um, he, is, he had an early obsession with Nazis and Hitler. God, that's really a thing, isn't it? Yeah, I didn't realise, but like, I didn't realise how much of a thing that clearly is. That's the second one now. Yeah, it is. Oh. So, and, and then when he was, I mean, he was literally a teenager, he began a career in petty crime, in burglary, um, which resulted in him returning to his mum and his stepdad to live with them. Um, in order to feel accepted and sort of establish a sense of belonging, I guess. Yeah. He took his stepdad's last name. Oh, yeah. So that's where Brady comes from. Oh, that's unfortunate for the stepdad, isn't it? Very. <laughs> um, and by the age of 17, he ended up in Strange Ways prison. Oh. So, yeah. You yeah, fucked it from day one. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I also remember ages ago reading that he used to drown cats oh. in the pond. Yeah, of course he did. <laughs> you know, we're, we are really stereotypically a serial, like a serial yeah it's like a clearly. handbook isn't it <laughs> yeah he's just like he's just ticking them all off um so yeah so he's led a very different childhood to Myra Hinton yeah absolutely um and then here comes you know the interesting part where they inevitably meet this I didn't know a lot of this like, I didn't know a lot of the details of how they met and their courtship yeah relationship but it's interesting um so he met her when he was working as a stock clerk in manchester he'd not long been released from prison mm. um, she was a secretary and she was drawn to him because and this get this right this is how this is what she saw in him she saw romance and intelligence in his aloofness um do we do that? You know when <laughs> you know when you're like I don't know, like you're really trying to 
play someone's negatives up. Like, <laughs> yeah. And she's fine. He's really nice. <laughs> he's a bit weird, but he's really nice. It's just that classic, like, you know, no, it's cute. Like, but he's, no, you know he's a psychopath. No, but it's cute. <laughs> yeah. So she was really trying to polish a turd. Oh like, my gosh. So she then wrote her feelings for him in a diary for over a year. Oh no. Um, this is before they were even dating. She was just admiring him from his aloofness from afar. Um, and then after that year, he finally became interested in her, which I question. Yeah. Because I'm like, was it just because she was clearly a bit of a stalker? Yeah. And he was just like, oh, fine. <laughs> um, so he finally asked her out and quick, very quickly, introduced her to his extreme political views. Oh. Uh, he took her to watch a film, the, the film, um, The Nuremberg Trials, on their first date. Oh, okay. Um, and and then he gave her, you know, she had homework. He gave her a, lead, a reading reading list of the works of Hitler. So some light reading. But that's really like, I mean, I feel like you wouldn't go on a second date, would you, if you were a normal person? No. That is a massive red flag. Like, well, <laughs> it's very extreme. Maybe not. Um, but she she persisted. Um, and he was her first love. And she was very quickly under his control. Yeah. To the extent that she dressed to please him, mm. accepted his views, like all of them, no matter how extreme. Yeah. And she even started to, as their relationship progressed, she posed for pornographic photos for him. So oh. she was completely manipulated by him. Um, yeah. Not Saturday's not like, you know, but he had a lot of control over her because she was finding after him. Oh, yeah. Um. Once it was clear to him that she was, like, she was completely and utterly, like, under his control. Yeah. Um, he became to be more and more outrageous. So he sort of got this foot in the door. And, and then he started to really show his true colours. Mm-hmm. Um, so he then started culminating his instruction to her that murder and rape were the, the supreme pleasure. Oh god! So straight away, trying to—I think I guess it's in a way trying to brainwash her because it's yeah. that thing of we, you'll do anything for me. So this is my view. So you have to believe the same thing. Yeah. Um, and her family and friends have started to notice that he was having a massive influence on her. Like she was becoming more distant. Um, she had a shorter temper. She completely changed. She was more secretive. Yeah. Um, he was having a big change on her uh, personality. Yeah. And then he went on to then test her allegiance um, by pretending to plan robbery. So he went through all of the steps as if they were going to do it. Oh, no. And then he was reinforced when she carried out every single one of the steps he asked of her. Oh, I bet he loved that. Yeah, she asked no questions. She just did it. Like, she just went for it. So he'd realised then, right, he'd got a partner that was going to carry out all of his, like, you know, perverted, extreme ideas. Um, and that's when the the horrible crime that they, crimes that they committed sort of come in, because, you know, she's she's in there now. Yeah. Um, and, and they're fully committed. So on the 12th of July, 1963, 
Pauline Reed, who was 16, was kidnapped by Hindley um, mm. and she was on her way to a dance. Uh, and Hindley drove her to where Brady was waiting. Yeah. Um, and there she was raped, beaten, stabbed, and then buried mm. on the um, moors, which I'll talk about in a bit. Yeah. Um, four months after that, 12 year old John Kilbride disappeared from the market in Ashton Underline. That, yeah. like, every time I hear the names of the places, it gets me because Ashton Underline's where my dad was born. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So that's like, um, and he was on his way to his grandma's house. Yeah. Um, and his disappearance wasn't noted this day. Yeah. I found odd because he's twelve. Surely his grandma wasn't like, oh, he's not turned up. And he's twelve. He's twelve, yeah. Oh, I just I know the times were different, but I'd be shitting everywhere if a twelve year old hadn't come home. Yeah, definitely. Um, so the police did a search and they came back with absolutely nothing. Um, Hindley had lured him into her car by asking him to help her with some boxes, putting some boxes in her car. Mm. Um, and obviously, because he was a good, polite little boy, he he did, and he, you know, he trusted adults is what he taught. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's all right. Um, she took him to Brady, who was on Saddleworth Moor, which is where they buried Pauline. Yeah. Which is massive, just a massive land. Yeah. Um, and that's where he was eventually buried. Um, because I'll skip the gory details because, because mm-hmm. there was a lot of like basically everything that was listed for what happened to Pauline happened to all the victims, yeah. Um, and then they were eventually buried on the moor. Um, and 10 year old Leslie Ann Downing was then the next victim. Um, then so, so they've gone about this for a matter of months. Undetected. Yeah. Um, you know, they'd noticed that John Kilbride had gone missing, but the police, the police had no leads, nothing. No. And they didn't even suspect anybody. Um, so there was a real turning point um, when Hindley's 17-year-old... <laughs> Hindley's 17-year-old brother-in-law, David yeah. Smith, um, visited them at Hindley Brady's house, um, only to turn up and witness Brady killing 17-year-old Edward Evans with an axe. Ooh. Um, they then, Hindley and Brady, then joked about the mess and told David that the other bur- other bodies were buried on the moor. Oh. So oh. Smith then helped them clean up, returned home to his wife, told her, and then alerted the police. So he did on it but he did also help me up so I was a bit like okay yeah there's mixed emotions there isn't there yeah so the police arrived at Brady's house yeah found the body and arrested him but not Hindley right and Brady claimed that it was an argument between Edward Evans who was the boy that was killed David Smith who was Hindley's brother-in-law who found them and Brady and and Hindley had nothing to do with it Mm. He was talking the police out of her involvement entirely, which yes. worked. The police believed it until four days later when they found a detailed document in Hindley's car about how she and Brady had planned to carry out the murder. Well, she's not very uh, discreet, is she? No, I feel like that's not something you document. No, 
not the strongest um, move, I don't she think. really cover her tracks very well. No. Um, so then, from that information and the fact that they told, um, well, Hindley and Brady had literally told this David Smith exactly where they'd hidden, like, buried the bodies, the police yeah. then went on the search of the moors. They found the bodies of John Kilbride and Leslie Ann Downey. Yeah. Um, but at this point, the police only had circumstantial evidence until they raided a locker in Manchester Central Station, where which belonged to Brady, oh. uh, where they found sadistic gadgets, pornography, and f- photographs of as of Leslie Ann bound and gagged in Hindley's bedroom. Oh God! They also found, and this is horrible, um, a tape of a little, and you could hear a little girl crying and the voices of Brady and Hindley. Oh God! Um, and this, this is, this turns my stomach every time. Leslie Ann's mum then was forced to identify the voice on the tape as Leslie's. Um, That's horrible. Yeah, horrible. Um, so Brady and Hindley then went on to claim to the police that David Smith must have murdered Leslie Ann Downey. Not the strongest, is it? Not the strongest argument. Not when they've got like that much evidence. No. Um, despite um, searches of the moors, the other two victims weren't found. So there were an additional two victims, um, and they they still have never found them. Um, mm. So Brady pleaded guilty to yeah. the murders of Leslie Ann Downey. John Kilbride and Edward Evans. Hidley was only responsible for the murder of Leslie Ann Downey, Edward Evans, and harbouring for harbouring Brady. So yeah. she wasn't convicted of the murder of John Kilbride. Oh. She abducted him, remember, as well. So she was definitely involved. Yeah, 100%. But she got out of that one. They were both sentenced to life. Um, so by 1970, Hindley had all contact with Brady. Nothing more to do. Yeah. And in 1987, her full confession was released. She admitted to all five murders um, that she was involved in every single one. And obviously, her parole was denied. Yeah. Um, and she died in 2002. Brady uh, was. An- <sighs> wasn't quite as uh, cooperative and he was just an absolute shit in prison. No. Like, even worse than, like, he, he continued to just be an ass the whole time he was in prison. Um, he sent a letter, this pisses me off every time I read it, to the mother of Keith Bennett, who was one of the bodies that they couldn't find. He's, I always remember him because he's, in the photos, he's like the tiny little kid with the glasses. He's really, really cute. Um, and his, I mean, his picture was always around because his mum was always sort of appealing for them to try and find him. Yeah. So Brady decided he'd write a letter to her complaining about how badly he was treated in prison. Um, and then claiming that he could take the police to the body of Keith Bennett. Right. Um, the, the staff, Why was he allowed to send this letter? Exactly. This was my thought. Apparently, the staff, because he was he was in a hospital, 
whether I can't remember right. if it was psychiatric or not because I know he was ill. I think it might have been psychiatric, but the hospital that he was in anyway. The staff there claimed that he must have sent it via third party. Oh yeah. But who's must because it... <laughs> he surely isn't getting visitors. Also, because like, how would he even know who to send it to? Exactly. I, I, because he wouldn't have an address, would he? No, I think there's something stuffed going on there. Um, That's weird. Very weird. So, yeah, and then he died quite recently, actually, a couple of years ago. Because mm. I know, I remember him trying to, he was trying to get out because he was dying. And then, like, um, yeah. Not. But to the last, yeah, I to like his last day, he was like, yeah, I know where the bodies are. I could take you to him. Um, but it's just behaviour, isn't yeah, it? And but the police reckon, like, and other people that have sort of talked about it said that they don't think he's got any idea. Like, if he went back, to, no. he's still alive today, and he went back to the malls now, I don't think he'd be able to locate the police. Oh no! I mean, it's it's a power thing, isn't it? Yeah. He the idea that he he can hold that and then never ever actually do it. It doesn't matter if he knows it or not. Exactly. Um, that's it's just a power complex yeah well that little boy's mum was holding out hope the whole time like she she really really wanted them to cooperate with him and cause she really believed he knew and she she you know it's the only way you can really grieve isn't it if you, yeah. you can find and she's never going to get that now no um Horrible. yeah so that's that's the Moore's murderers it's very tragic, isn't it? I just that uh, so many of the victims are always so young. Yeah, yeah. Like, but again, it was very similar with Hindley as it was to what was her name, Carla. Yeah. Um, in the sense of you get that kind of they were encouraging it. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because it's really easy. I think to um for people to label the women in these relationships as like submissive and dependent yeah and like but if you are dependent on someone or completely um reliant on someone it is a huge step to start kidnapping children and killing them like how do you go from being you know enamored with someone and obsessed with someone to going yeah i'll do that for you like whatever you want yeah doesn't like and finding someone, finding someone that will do that for you when you want to do that you know like the the fact that he found her and she was willing to help him yeah i always think it's so weird like the fact that these people meet and it actually works for them yeah and it makes me question i sort of think because i think with brady i think he would have gone on to do those things regardless yeah so whether she would but i do wonder whether she would have not yeah or if it took that somebody that would introduce her to that kind of lifestyle yeah. call it that, and then and, and put that there as a possibility yeah but if she met someone else think, would it have panned out the same way i suppose that's it isn't it like a lot of people won't make certain moves without um support or like persuasion yeah but maybe she could have lived a completely normal life with like no issues yeah it's weird to think sort of and i think like these sort of tests of loyalty are just something 
you know, at any point, she had so many opportunities where she could have gone, this is really getting somewhere that I yeah. don't want to be. Yeah. I mean, the first date is, is a big red flag. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, but even past then, like planning a robbery, if you were like, oh, wow, okay, I just thought it was a bit quirky. I didn't know who, <laughs> you know, it was going to get to something like that. You'd, you know, she had opportun- ample opportunity to go, no, I'm going to be involved in this. Yeah. It's... Yeah, sorry. It's hard. No, no, no. It's. I was just gonna say, it's like it's hard to even imagine getting into that situation and not being able and like not leaving. Yeah. I, I do get. Like I've seen things where people say, like you know, she was so much under, and and not just this case, but other cases because it's happened a lot. Um, yeah, yeah. She was like, oh, you know, she was so in it that she didn't realise how bad it was getting. And I just think, I mean, you want to one of them. You don't know until you're in the situation, but. Surely you noticed the alarm before. Well, I think there is a lot to say about, um, you know, abusive relationships and toxic relationships and women being, oh, it happens in both ways, but a lot of the time it's women being sort of reliant on men. Yeah. But there's a, there's a very, very big sort of <laughs> big thick line between relying on a man and being completely under his control and then actively involving yourself in this sort of thing yeah yeah i think that's such a big step and i don't think that would happen with a lot of like i don't think a lot of women would ever get into that sort of situation no, no. i just it, i don't know i just think it's, it's so odd that you I don't know. I just can't. It's hard to put yourself in that. Well, you can't, can you? You can't put yourself in that position. No. Um, but I suppose as well, I mean, if it happened once, it would be a lot harder to remove yourself from that situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because you've, you're have you then sort of involved regardless. Exactly. And, and then you've got that to hold against you then. Yeah. I find it so odd. I found it interesting with like, the other case is like with Carla, she she supported him when he was like assaulting other women. Yeah. Um, so that was such a huge build up before he started they started killing like girls. Yeah. There was there was no seemingly like even like a hint that she wanted to leave. No, she was in it, wasn't she? Yeah, and I just find this this weird. I just think it's really odd. But I suppose that is like a a very big I mean if you're dependent on someone before and then you 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 kill a child together you are pretty much stuck Um, with each other yeah Yeah. it's interesting it is is very and it's it's a lot of what ifs as well I think like what if they'd have you know met someone else or what if yeah it's gone a different way like you just sort of think it'd be interesting to to know what their lives would be like if they lived independently from each other and they didn't know each other yeah it would both both cases yeah it would I do think they do sort of I don't know yeah would they would it be the same because I feel like the men of these cases are more you would you would expect it more from them yeah it sort of saw it coming yeah, and with the women, it's more of a question of whether whether they would have been able to do anything on their own or if they would have lived normal lives. Yeah. But who knows? It's it, very odd. Very. 
very well, that's an old classic isn't it I, I feel like I've read a lot about that one but I haven't really like yeah it's recently. It's a, yeah very um I always think like I've always I, I knew at some point I was going to talk about like Hindley and Brady um yeah because it's such a pop like well I mean it happened over here like yeah Manchester, yeah like very sort of I mean we've been there do you know what I mean like it yeah we're from there so it's it feels a little bit more like close to home doesn't it and then it's yeah I mean it's it's personal I think when it when it gets that close yeah and, and it's always been on the news I mean up until when he died a couple of years ago it was always yeah. dredged back back up because they were doing another search or more details had come out and yeah such a, you know everybody sort of knows about the case oh yeah it's infamous yeah. it's, it's it's the case that anyone would bring up if you asked them about it yeah definitely they are like the duo that people would talk about it's 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 interesting you don't always hear i feel like when you when we do these episodes you hear a lot of stuff that maybe you don't consider when you're if you do research on your own yeah definitely um you always say something that i haven't heard before and i just think it's um i don't know it's interesting to consider especially about you know the the women yeah. and and their involvement yeah. definitely <laughs> this has been very very dark yes yeah we'll definitely <laughs> go for a light-hearted one next time lighthearted as lighthearted as we can get yeah yeah Really interesting, though. I think um, dynamics with couples and the fact that they they found each other and this this sort of thing happened is always really interesting. There's so many of them as well, isn't there? Yeah, loads. Uh, don't forget to follow our Instagram at Crimes of the Essence. That's a bit culty. <laughs> Join us next time for more crimes on our podcast, Crimes of the Essence.